Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rabbi. All right, we are on Yud Tes 19a. We are three lines down. We've been uh, talking about dead people. Uh, very excited. So, what it says is fouls. Amar Anybody who talks about the deceased after they have already died, they talk, speak negatively about the deceased. It's like they have spoken after a rock, meaning the rock has no, there's no feeling, they don't feel it, they don't, there's nothing negative to them. Uh, either it's because they don't know what's going on, they don't hear you, they don't know what's happening, or if you can the other, they know. But below once you're in Olam Ames, once you get up there and you see the uh, the world the way it's supposed to be with Hakadosh Baruch somebody insulting you doesn't bother you anymore. So any is it true? Uh, sorry, any uh, is it true? Amr Papa. Uh, somebody once spoke negatively after Shmuel after he died and then whoa the, the, the beam came off the roof and it broke his uh, the, the membrane around his brain it's probably bad news so the one that says, Well, if you speak negatively about a rabbinical type, because it's not the person himself. The person himself, he doesn't care. What does he care? He's passed on. It doesn't bother him at all. No issues. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself feels offended when you make fun of the rabbis. Anybody who speaks negatively uh, uh, after the bed, literally after the death of Tzimini Chachamim, no Gehenim. They end up in Gehenim. Shenemar Vehamatim. I don't know how to literally write, read the passage. Vehamatim Akal Kalusum Yolichu Hashem as Paul Evan Shalom Al Yisrael. What does it mean? Afilu Bishas Shalom Al Yisrael. Even if everything's okay, everything's great, everything's wonderful. Uh, the guy has passed away. He's fine. Still, Yolicha Hashem is Paulay Haon Haaven Haon. Still, Hashem will punish the uh, the iniquities. One sees the Tamachacham that sins at night. They should not think after him during the day because you could already be confident that he did tshuva, as the Gemara says. Shema also tshuva, because perhaps, even though you saw him sin at night, perhaps the next morning he has already done tshuva. Shema Salkadaydah, you think perhaps he has done tshuva? Elevare also tshuva, he has for sure done tshuva. But these are only things that are between God and man. Between God and man, so then the person can do a sin, a person can do something wrong, whatever it is, a person does something wrong, and then after the person does something wrong, no problem, he can turn around and do tshuva. But if a, even a tamachachim, if he does something wrong monetarily to somebody else, so then until you clearly see him give the money back to the rightful owner, otherwise you can't, he can't do tshuva. You can't do tshuva when it comes to monetary things, when it comes to until you've apologized or until you've returned the money to the rightful owner. However, when it comes to, to uh, things between Hashem and a man, so then even if you see him clearly sin at night, you know he's already sin, uh, done tshuva by the next morning. The Amar, Rabbi Shubham Levi, the Chav Dal Makomus for 24 times in Mishnais, Beisdin Minad Nal Kavarav, that Beisdin has had to put somebody into excommunication because of the honor of the Rebbe. The Kulon Shanidu Mishasenu, all 24 examples are in the Mishnais. Amar the Rebbe Lazar, hey, says Rebbe Lazar, where are they? 
Amr lei lechi tishkach. No, you're going to ask me. Go, I'll go look for them and you'll let me know where you find them. Nafak, he went out, duck, he examined the eshkach, and he went ahead and he found slas. He found three examples, three examples where where uh, where we put somebody in excommunication for their lack of honor for the rabbis. Number one, Number one, we found somebody who is disparaging about about washing their hands, which again is a rabbinic type of thing. Number two, Number two, somebody who speaks uh, derogatory of after they have passed away. And number three, somebody who is haughty, their, their, their feelings are haughty against God and will give examples for all of them. Number one, uh, what's that case? It's not. Who are Omer? He used to say, that for Sota, we only give water, the Sota water, to a regular, normal, old-fashioned Jew. But to a woman who has converted, to a woman who has become free from uh, being a slave, we don't give her the Sota water because chances are she is probably guilty anyways. The Chacham Omer Mashlin. The Chacham say, yes, we do. We give all Jewish women, no matter how they became Jewish, we give to them. The Omer Lo, and they said to him, Maisa, the Char Kamis, with this woman in Karkamis, Shivka Mishucharis Bishalim, she was a free servant in Yushalim, Vihishkiu Shemaev Avtaya, and Shemaev Avtaya, and the heads of the bays and the heads of the Sanhedrin, they gave her to drink soda water. So it's clear that even an Evan Mishucharis, even a freed slave, has to drink the water. And who gave it to them? Vihishku Shemaev Avtaya. The Amr Laham, and then this is Akviya ben Mahalo speaking. He said, "Dugma Hishkua." You know why they gave it to them? Because they themselves were converts. But a regular basin that weren't converts, they would never give them to drink. When he do, they put him in excommunication for speaking derogatory about Shmaya Avtayud. That they only did it because they themselves were converts. And then Umais when he do have, he died as he was in excommunication. And if you die when you're in excommunication, the Sulklu Basin Esarono and Basin put a rock on his casket to show, on his coffin, to show that he died in excommunication. That's one example. Example number two. Mahamazal Zilbin Zidaim, one who is, uh, he's, he looks at Nathil Zidaim in a derogatory fashion. Mahi was the case, it's not. Um, Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda continues on the story and he says, It can never be that he would have been the one put in excommunication. That he was the subject of the story and he would be in excommunication. Why? How could it be that it wasn't him? Because when the Azara and Erev Pesach, the doors would naturally close. They would miraculously close by themselves. When they would close, they would never close on somebody as great with wisdom, as great in wisdom. And impurity, and in fear of sin, nobody would, there was nobody as great as him. There is no way that he was ever put in Kherm. So then, who, what's the story? Who did they put in excommunication? As Allah ben Chanoch, this person, Allah ben Chanoch, what did he do? He was unsure, he, uh, he was uh, uh, curious, uh, there's probably a better English word, but he was very. Um, he was very, uh, what's the word they use? They have probably a better English word than curious. Doubted. Doubted and demeaned. Doubted and demeaned. Good English word. He doubted and demeaned. Uh, and it tells you that I am. 
Ukishemais, and when he died, Shochu Basin, Miniach Evan Gidola Arono. The Basin put a stone on his casket. Lamdecha, to show you, Shakala Masnada, anybody who gets put into excommunication, Umais Beniduyov, and then he dies in excommunication, in excommunication, Basin, Soklin, Asarono, Basin will stone their casket. Why we do that nowadays? The people put stones there? I don't know. It must be a sign of honor. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think Ramosh is a Jew saying that it's okay. It's not Chukas Akam to do it. So it must be it's okay. I don't know if you should. I mean, I'm sure there is some reason based off uh, Kabbalah while they do it. I don't, I don't know the reason, but I'm sure there's some uh, mystical reason nowadays why everyone does it. You go up to Haram Nuchos, right? Everyone's putting stones all over the place. Yeah, here it's a negative thing. I don't know. It must be a... Yeah, um, it's on Okay. Erase that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so and then and then another example is somebody who is haughty against God. What's the example of somebody who is haughty against God? Somebody who feels that they are friends with God, equal to God. It's not we all know the story that Choni uh, drew a circle and said, I ain't leaving the circle till it rains. So he sends Choni Amagel, I should put you in excommunication. However, <laughs> however, if you weren't Choni, I would have put you in excommunication. Guy. What am I going to do? You sin before God, and you do, uh, and and God does what you want. Like a son that sins in front of his father, and still his father says, "Fine, I'll do what you want, anyways." And him, the Torah says, "Yismach that the, the father and the mother are happy with the child. So, it seems to me that's it. Three examples, that's all we have of times where somebody was put in excommunication. Now, we're supposed to be able to try and find find 24. There are no other examples where because somebody doesn't have proper honor, proper respect for the rabbis that we put them into excommunication. But there's the following case. The Taner of Yosef. Tudus Ish Romi, our guy Tudus from Rome. Hini has been a Romi. He taught the people from Rome that in Rome they should eat their korban pesach. On even though it wasn't a fish or a korban pesach, it was just meat that they would roast. But they would they should roast it as a as a whole animal on a spit to get ready for pesach. Now we don't want you to do that because then people may think that this is the actual korban, even though they're in the middle of Rome. So therefore, but he told them, I want you to do it. Take the whole animal, roast it on a stick. And again, I would go put you in excommunication because you're feeding sanctified items outside of, uh, of Eretz Yisrael. People are going to look at them. People are going to think that you're able to eat the Korban Pesach even outside of Eretz Yisrael. But you shouldn't do that. So that's another example where we see somebody was threatened for put, for that he was going to get put into excommunication. So Gmar says the problem is so We said there's 24 examples in the Mishnah, and this was a brisa, not a Mishnah, and therefore that doesn't count. There's no more in the Mishnah. This is a famous case of the Tanur Achnoi that you have an oven that you cut into many different pieces. And you put uh, sand between each of the pieces. So, 
My question is, is this oven now, was it broken and now it's put back together? And therefore, uh, and therefore, uh, it would be, it would, is it, is it an oven that was broken and now put, and it was broken and therefore it, it stopped being clean and therefore it's tar? Or is it something that was always able to just uh, 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 be redone and therefore it never was broken and therefore it would be, it would be, uh, it would still be tummy. So you take this uh, so you take this 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 oven and you put sand between each one, between each one. So Rebbe says that is tahor, uh, it's tar and and sorry. This is the story of the oven of the achnoi. My achnoi. What is an achnoi? They surrounded Rebbe Eliezer like a like a like a snake. And they made it tummy. Now, the story continues. The Tanya, the Brisa continues on that story. Also, I own that day, Hevi called Taharo Shatir Rebbe They brought all of the things that Rebbe Yezer had said was Tahor, received from the front of, and they burned them in front of him to say, You have made a mistake in Hilchas Tuman Tarah. And then in the end, they put him. Uh, they, they, they put him into excommunication. So it seems to be that that's another example of excommunication. So one says, no, Afil Haki, it didn't say in the Mishnah they put him into excommunication. The Brites that was explaining that Mishnah said they put him into excommunication, and therefore that's not another example of somebody in the Mishnah going in excommunication. So the Gemara says, "El v'chav down rakomos." Hey, that, that was the story with the baskel coming down. That's the baskel story with Rabbi Yeshua. That's what the the kosev is managed. That he was that he was right. Rabbi Yezus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rabbi Yeshua said, "Tor la bashmaimi." It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what the big yeah. panel. Yeah. So the Gemara says, "Well, so you found three el v'chav down rakomos heich mishgachzel." Well, then how do you find twenty-four? Where are the twenty-four? He says, it's true, we only have three. But anytime you find an individual arguing on a on the Rabbim, and you see that the individual is really, uh, he's really pushing his opinion very hard against the Rabbim, against the majority opinion, he says, that's all included. Anytime you find that, that's similar to when somebody is put into Kherim, and therefore he includes all of those cases. And if you go through the Mishnahs like that, you'll find 24 examples of an individual act, trying extra hard to get his opinion accepted, and therefore he says, those are the 24 times that we say uh, we would have put somebody in Kherim, even though we only did it three times, but there are 24 times that are similar to those Three. Sometimes we go with the yachid. We go with the very rarely, very rarely. Yeah, so those cases are included. Or not? Uh, probably not. Probably not. So it's a times where it sounds like uh, where where it sounds like one guy knows that he's wrong, or he, at least he's arguing with the rabbin, and he's already been convinced wrong. Like this case, Rabbi Eliezer was arguing against the rabbin, but he kept kept pushing his opinion, even though he kept pushing his opinion. So so that would be the examples that we'll give that will put the person in harem. So Rebbeleizer does not go ahead and compare him, and therefore he says only these three times that you actually find somebody getting put into cherem. But in the other cases, just because somebody is similar to that, that's not called putting someone in cherem. Now, Tanrabon. Oh, I'm sorry. So we said anybody who's carrying the bed is part from Krishna. You shouldn't bring out the deceased right before Krishna because we don't want people to stop to not have to say Krishna. But if they've already done it, we don't stop. 
says, But when Rabbi Yossi passed away, they brought him out close to Kriyashma. So he says, Adam Chashra Shani, we're talking about an important person, an important fellow, a big Talmud Chacham. So then we'll even bring out right before Kriyashma. People are involved in the eulogy. If the deceased is in the same room as them, each one should sort of one by one walk out of the room. And they should say, Shema, if the deceased is not there, they can sit and say, Shema, and he, the other, or the Onain, just sits there silently because, again, the Onain is not obligated in saying Shema. The people who are sitting there in the crowd, they can go ahead and daven. And that's the opportunity for the uh, for the Onain to, be, to do Tzidik Adin, which is what one does after someone passes away. They do Tzidik Adin, where they accept the Kaddish Baruch Hu's judgment in the world. The Omar, they say as follows, I've sinned a lot before you. And you haven't paid me back even one in a thousand. It's true. This is a bad thing, but this is nothing. Here at Zomu Venech Hashem Lokenu, Shetikra Pertzotzenu, you should fence our openings, Upirtos Ko Amcha Yisrael, and the, the openings of all Klaus Barachimim with mercy. Amr Abai, Lomi Bailey Linish Lemarach, you shouldn't say that. Dhamra of Shimon Levi, the Khain Tanamashmidra of Yosi Li Olam Al Yiftach Adam Pivlasan. A person should never open their mouth to the Satan, to the uh, to the uh, Satan, whatever you want to call him. Right? But so here by saying that God, you haven't punished me enough, I deserve more, so you're opening yourself up for more punishment. The honor of Yosef, where do we see that you shouldn't, you shouldn't make yourself, you shouldn't give the, uh, the Sutton an opportunity? My crush and Emma Kemak, Kisdom Hayinu, Yishaisis, we were like, we were almost like Sodom. My Ahadale Navi, Shimud Varasham Katsine Sodom. The uh, rulers, the ambassadors, the rulers of Sodom, here is what you have to say. So therefore, the moment you open up and give the Sutton an opportunity, he will take that opportunity. If they have buried the deceased and they've come back, so if they're able to start and finish the whole thing in, they should do it. But if all they can do is say one paragraph or one pasuk, it sounds like low. Sounds like they should not say all shema. So he wants to wait a minute for a minute. Even if you're able to do one paragraph, one pasuk, you just do it. That's exactly that's what we meant as well. That's what we meant in the Mishnah. Even if you can finish one paragraph or one pasuk, before the Avelim comes to the line, do it. You should not begin to say the uh, the Shema at all. So the whole concept here. I mean, you would have been. So it sounds like here you could do it first. You are. You're just standing in the shoe. You, you don't have a chiv, do you? Maybe the. Uh, well, so you're not really yet. Osimitzah will begin when the guy walks through the shoe. When he walks through the line, so then you're osimitzah. So then we don't do it. But in, but here we're saying if you could <coughs> if you could start saying shema before the guy comes through the line. So you're just standing there twiddling your thumbs. You're not doing anything. So therefore, since you have that opportunity, you're no longer called osimitzah patrimonitzah. You're 100 right. Well, that's why once the guy starts walking through the shura, you stop what you're doing and you don't say shema and you're menachem avol because you're osimitzah patrimonitzah. But here, because you could do everything before the guy gets through the line, so then you're good to go. You can go ahead and you could. Uh, you can go and say. Now, Ha'om the Meshura. So you have these people in line. Tanurban, Shura, Haroa, Penima. 
Tura. The inside line, they're exempt, like you're saying, because of Ozu Mitzvah, Matzur, and Mitzvah, Vishayin Roa, Pinima, but if you can't see the inside, Chayev, it's your Chayev, because you're not really doing the Mitzvah. Rav Yehuda Amr, Habayim Achmas Avol, if you come for the Avol, Peturim, you are Pater. Habayim Achmas Avol, the people who just come to say, hey, this is probably going to be a good time. Maybe an open buffet, maybe an open bar. We're just going to come for this, uh, for this, uh, for this funeral. So they are Chayavit because they're not actually doing a mitzvah even though they're there, but that's not actually a mitzvah. All right. Now we get a very famous uh, sugi over here. We'll have to try our best to understand it. says the Amr Rav Yudam Rav Hamotzi. What about it? For sure. In the basic kvars, for sure. It's only for too long. For sure. Basic kvars, for sure. You have, to cover the, you have to cover it so it's not low the rush. What? The tzitzit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying when you're saying Shema, you can't kiss him. You should just know the Gra's opinion, the Gra's opinion is that you never kiss your tzitzit. Gra holds that the word tzitzit, the word tzitzit by definition, what does it mean? What does the word tzitzit mean by definition? So, like we see, like, uh, like when we all go out and say Kiddush because obviously we all go out uh, in the beginning of every month and we go out and say Kiddush So we talk about that. Akash Baruch is Matzitz Menacharakas. God is being Matzitz. What's Matzitz? So the girl says Matzitz means to look, to, 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 to stare. So you're being Matzitz Menacharakam. So he says, Tzitzitz by definition means something to look at. So he says, what are you doing kissing your Tzitzitz? When you kiss your Tzitzitz, you're being Mavatal, the Mitzvah Tzitzitz. The whole Mitzvah Tzitzitz is to look at your Tzitzitz. So it doesn't help to go ahead and kiss it. What are you kissing it for? Kissing it room to Mitzvah Tzitzitz. So the girl is very stark. The girl holds that you don't, you're not supposed to kiss your tzitzis. While we're on the subject, the girl also holds that you're not supposed to take all four tzitzis and put them in front of you. Because the mitzvah is by definition to have two in front of you and two behind you. So if you take all four and put them in front of you, again, you're saying Shema, you're being the vatal, the mitzvah of tzitzis. So you're saying Shema while you're not fulfilling the obligation of tzitzis. He says, I don't understand why you would do that. So the girl holds both. He says, first of all, you should only take the two front ones. You shouldn't take all four because we don't want you to take away the mitzvah of tzitzis because then you don't have two in front and two behind you. And he says, number two, when you get to any words, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be kissing it. Tzitzis, by definition, means to stare at it. You should look at it. That's what you should be doing. Even according to the girl in the seventh. What happened? Why don't we? Who says we don't? <laughs> I take two tzitzis. I only take two tzitzis and I never kiss. I just look at it. Yeah, yeah. That's why Stanley gets upset at me because because in the old days when if he had to wait for me for Baishachas, he wouldn't know when I finished Shema because I wasn't kissing my tzitzit, so there's no way to know. But yeah, I, art scroll, man, I already hold like the girl. But art scroll, it's true they've asserted themselves as becoming the the final postic of all halachic uh, <laughs> questions. But while they may have decided that, I'm not sure when we held, we convened a basin and decided that uh, Art Scroll has become the, the convening uh, opinion. And here it says that you should take your four senses, but according to the Grimes, I don't know. There you go. There you have See? So well, even Art Scroll is machshed the opinion of the group. This is an Art Scroll. It's a Hebrew. It's a Hebrew. It's a Hebrew. All right, let's go. Speaking of tzitzis, I'm glad you asked me about tzitzis because the Gemara is going to talk about tzitzis. Says the Gemara. Rabbi Squirrel. Omar, Rabbi Yehuda, Omar, Rabbi. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rab, Hamotzi Kalayim, the big doe, one is walking in the street and all of a sudden they find Kalayim. They find a mixture of wool and linen inside of their clothing. They happen to be walking down the street. They're wearing their long uh, tunic over here and they just grab out a string just to check it out and as they look in the street they say oh my gosh this string has wool and linen inside of the string so 
Postal. You have to take out your clothing. You're standing in the middle of uh, of the middle of the marketplace. You got to take it off. You've ever wondered why people walk around Times Square without any clothing? It must be because they found Kali and they have found shyness in their clothing, and therefore they know this Gemara that they have to take it off right then and there. So that's exactly what. So he says, if one finds uh, shanes in their clothing, they find a mixture of wool and linen in their clothing, potion, they have to take it off, I feel like even in the middle of the marketplace. My timer, because the puzzle says, there is none of these things against God. When you're doing something against God, we don't care who you are, you can't, there's no honor against God. If there is a desecration of God's name, i.e. there is a sin happening right now, we don't afford honor to you. Your honor is nothing compared to the honor of God. And when somebody is doing an Avera, that is a transgression, that is a slap in the face of God, and therefore we don't care who you are, we don't care how embarrassed you are going to be, you must stop that Avera no matter what. You're not supposed to embarrass somebody in public, though. Wouldn't that include yourself? Uh, I guess not. Not against God. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like not against God. You'll embarrass yourself. So here, and it could be that embarrassment is different. It could be that embarrassment is about, is about actions here. Here, this embarrassment is you got to take off your clothes. You're walking there in the middle of the street. Listen, too bad, so sad. You got to walk around with no clothes. Take off so he says, so he says, <laughs> he says, Mason, Kibbutz Amaze, our mistress, we have a, a Bryce that says, if one has buried the deceased, the Chazrul Ifneam, and they're going back and they are, they are escorting the other. And in front of you, there are two paths. One path is Tahor, one path is Tameh. So this guy, this other is going to go. He has one of two paths to go. You're a Kohen, you're a Kohen. And Baba Tahara, if the other goes in the path that's Tahor, you go with him, Tahara. But if this guy goes in the Tame path, no problem, by Nemo. You, the Kohen, are allowed to become Tame to escort this Avon. Mishum Kvodo. Because there's a level of honor that he needs to be accorded. You have to honor the person. He shouldn't be walking alone. He's an Avon, whatever it is. So if you have this guy who's an Avon, a Kohen is allowed to walk on a Tame path to make sure that they help this guy, they, afford, they accord honor to this Avon. So the Gemara says, Oh my, why should that be? Lema, in Chachmein's will and Hashem. We don't honor people over God. So you're saying we're going to do a transgression in order to honor this guy? So the Gemara says, Targmar of Abba Bebesa Prasterabana. No, no, no. When we're talking about Tuma, we're not talking about real Tuma. We're talking about where it's only rabbinic Tuma. We know that the halacha is that sometimes there's Diarisa Tuma, where there's no question a coin is not allowed to go, but there could be rabbinic Tuma also. If, let's say you have a field that used to have a body in there, but the, the, the field has been plowed. So therefore, there may be bone fragments around, but even though there are bone fragments around, it's only if you touch the, bro- the bone fragment, and therefore, we're not so concerned that you're going to touch the bone fragments, and therefore, it's only a rabbinic iser to go ahead and go through a base of pras. Where do we see that? Persons allowed to blow themselves through a base of pras. Again, a base of pras is there was for sure a body in here, but then the, the then the field got plowed, and because the field got plowed, there are bone fragments all around. So you can be minapech, you can blow as you're walking because you'll be guaranteed that if you see any bone fragments, you won't end up touching it. And you're allowed to go because it's only rabbinically a problem to be in there, and that's why we allow the Kohen to go through to follow the, the deceased because it's a kavod, even though he's pushing away rabbinic law. 
If you have a base of pras, then a lot of people have walked through, that's for sure tar, because again, the only problem are these bone fragments. As people walk through uh, the, this base of pras, they're naturally going to keep kicking it away and keep pushing away these bone fragments. Therefore, after a while, you, the Kohen, can be guaranteed that there is no bone fragments left in this base of pras. Tashma. The Amar We used to skip on top of the coffins of dead bodies, Likros to go greet Jewish kings. Not just Jewish kings, We would even go and uh, and jump onto uh, uh, onto coffins in order to greet non-Jewish kings. Why? Because of one merit, Because when Mashiach comes, they'll see the difference between a non-Jewish king and a Jewish king, and therefore they would go out of their way to go see non-Jewish kings just to make sure they'll be able to see it when Mashiach comes. But now, how are they allowed to do that? Uh, how are we allowed to do it? Because we know Rabbi Lezer Tzadik is a Kohen. So he's saying, as a Kohen, he's allowed to jump from coffin to coffin to coffin. So, how could you do this to do something against God? So the Gorn says, Kidder Rava. The Amar Rava. Davar Torah. Oel. If you have an Oel Hames, right? If you have a dead body with something on top of it. If there is an airspace of one tevach between the deceased and the coffin, so that coffin will now stop the tumor from traveling. If there is not halal tefach, if there's not a tefach worth of space, the tumor goes straight up and straight through it. The majority of coffins, the truth is there is a tefach's worth of space, and therefore, the truth is, it's probably not tummy. It shows that when they made a decree, al and even on the ones that have a tefach space, mishum because of the ones that may not. So because of that, so because of this gezerah, again, it was only a rabbinic decree, mishum kavod malachim, and in order to accord honor to kings, lo Again, since it was only a rabbinic infraction, it wasn't by Torah law because most uh, coffins have a tefach a space, which means there's an interruption between the body and the top of the coffin, which means the tumah does not go outside of the coffin, which means the top of the coffin is not actually tummy, and because Therefore, it's only rabbinic that it says that the that the coffin is actually tummy. We aren't going to put the rabbinic decree in place when it's talking about honoring kings. In Israel, they don't. They put you straight, which right makes you even worse, right? Which makes it even more likely that the person. Yeah, yeah. Here, here they had it. I mean, what? Over there, right? It must be over there. Over here, though, they must have had, or or maybe there's just a space in the ground itself, right, between the body and the monument itself. Right, meaning even in our stroll, they put a, a what you call it, a, uh, yeah, a matzeva. What? No, no, but like when you go to the Har Menuchos, there's a, there's a, there's a monument. There's a, what do you call it? A monument? No, like the the white thing. Yeah. So that. That's not right away. Right, right, right. So there also, so they would put, they put, uh, he would say there's a tefach of space between the body and that monument. And therefore, the the top of the monument won't be tame because there's at least a tefach worth of the space, right? Because there is space. Can I reach No. Around the. No. Oh. I don't know. I guess Relax. so. Wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So being on an airplane with a, a mace should not be a problem. Oh, but there. But there. If it is, right, you have to know exactly how they do it. 
Right, you have to know how they do it. That's the question. The question is how they do it. The question is, is there is there an opening between the luggage compartment and the top? If there's an opening, so then you're going to run into a problem anyways. Because if there's an opening, so then it all becomes, right, it's always about, it has to be totally enclosed. By the mace, by here, by, by a coffin, it's totally enclosed. So therefore, there's nowhere else for it to go. But by the luggage compartment, it could be it's enclosed. I assume that's what they do, like in, on that, that the famous uh, 1 a.m. flight, right? That's the Kohana flight, the 1 a.m. flight out of Newark. That's what it used to be. I don't know what it is anymore. But it used to be the 1 a.m. flight on the Newark. They would always say it's a Kohanim flight. They never let a mace on the, on the plane. Or if they do, they do it in a way where they, where they make sure that they, they put it in somewhere else. I don't know how they do it. I don't know. You have to, it's in a coffin, then it's fine. Yeah, if it's in a coffin and there's enough space around the coffin, then it's going to be fine. Let's say worst case, you could just fly in bubble wrap and you'll be fine. You know what I mean? No problem. Yeah, we, yeah, the con if they fly in bubble wrap, no problem. I think we... Yeah, we, the Indians carried the, the guy that got, uh, they got a new two-piece club, they put him in the regular, he was in with the regular two-piece two coach. Oh, really? Yeah, in the back. He was sitting up. Yeah. No, he was, he was bigger. He was sitting up. There you have. All right, let's go. <laughs> Says the Gawar. He didn't take any peanuts. He did that. Says the Gawar. Uh... Who did that? Okay, Tashma. <laughs> yeah, Kwana did all the time. Tashma, Godo covered a Brios, covered a Brios is great. Honoring people is great. We see that it pushes away even a negative commandment in the Torah. Where do we see that? Who cares about covered a Brios? Who cares about your honor? Just, just, you can't do things against God. Targama. Talking about Rav Bar Shiva, commander of Kahana, but Lav Lo Saucer. Which Lav does it push away? It pushes away away the Lav of Lo Saucer. That you should not, you, that you can't turn away, you can't deviate from anything you're commanded. So the Gwana says, Achichullah. They laughed at him. Lav Lo Saucer, the Araisi. Wait a minute. The Isser of Lo Saucer is also the Araisi. Why would it push away that Isser any more than any other Isser? So the Gwana says, Amr of Kahana, Gavarabba, Amr Milsa, Lo Sachichullah. Don't laugh at him. All things that the Rabbanan do, asmechinu alad losaser. Any in any rule the rabbis make, it is based off the law of losaser that God gives permission to the rabbis making surim, and therefore God says you cannot transgress that which the rabbis do, based off the iser of losaser. So again, it doesn't mean that we're allowed to push off the arisa for covered brios. It means you're allowed to push off any rabbinic rules uh, for for uh, for covered. And therefore, again. If for one's honor, you're allowed to push off a rabbinic rule. Tashma. Torah says that you are allowed to close your eyes from it. Pa'amayim, there are times. There are times where you don't have to take care of a lost item. Sometimes you, you can't. You have to do it. You have to engage in taking care of a lost item. You are a Kohen and there's a lost object in a cemetery. Or you are an elderly guy. It is not according to your honor to be picking up this lost item. Or if your wage is more expensive than the lost item in front of you. You're somebody who gets who bills at $100 an hour and there is a lost item in front of you that's only worth $50 and you know it's going to take you an hour to return it. So then you have no obligation to return it. 
You don't have to do it. So again, but what, what one of the ones we said was, if you are a zakin, you're somebody of a highly respected caliber in the community, you have no obligation to go pick up a piece of garbage on the floor, even though that someone's lost object. Is that your problem? Why don't we say, listen, we don't care about your honor when it comes to performing a mitzvah. No, there the Torah goes out of its way to say that yes, there are times where you don't have to do it because you're an honorable person. You don't have to degrade yourself to go pick up that thing. So Gordon says, well, wait a minute. If the Torah says it, why don't we learn everything from there? That you have no obligation to degrade yourself even when it means even when it means filling a mitzvah or doing an isr. So the Gemara says, You can't learn a halacha from Isra to Mammon. This is only a case by monetary matters. By monetary matters, it's true. We're willing to say that because, that because you are an honorable guy, you have no obligation to go degrade your honor. But when it comes to violating an Isra, that we don't have. We don't have any proof for that. And it could be, even though it means that you are going to degrade your Isra, you degrade yourself still, you can't fulfill an Isra. Ready? Last but not least, Tashma. The Torah says that a Nazar cannot become Tameh for his sister. What is that trying to tell me? A person is going to slaughter. They're on their way to slaughter the Korban Pesach. Or they're on their way to go ahead and give a brismil to their child. They hear that somebody has passed away, which means if they go and deal with this burial, they'll not be able to do the Korban Pesach. So. You think you should go back and become Tameh? No, don't stop. Even though you hear that somebody else, somebody has died, and therefore you should go back and go ahead and bury that person and become Tameh, we say don't stop. Keep going. Go ahead and go do your Korban Pesach. Just like I don't become Tommy for my relatives. You're walking to Yushalayim, do your Korban Pesach, and you find a dead guy in the street. So you say, oh, I guess I better bury him. Oh, I can't stop because then I won't be able to do my Korban Pesach. You would think, don't stop. You don't become Tommy for your sister. If you find a dead guy in the street, even though that is going to stop you from doing a doing the Korban Pesach, you must stop what you're doing bury this guy, and then, okay, you're telling So says, where am I? Lema ain't chachma, ain't tvuna, ain't tzadakim. Shem say, who cares about this guy's honor? I got to do the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach. So the Gemara says, huge idea, shani hasn't tzachsev ulachos. The Torah says, you're supposed to become tummy for him. So the Gemara says, so why don't we learn from there? That you're always allowed to, you're always allowed to go ahead and uh, uh, give up on honor in order to do a mitzvah. Because shave the altaisei shani. There is a difference between when I am actively overriding a mitzvah and when I am passively overriding a mitzvah. This case was I was going through Korban Pesach. So tomorrow or even later today I'm going to go do my Korban Pesach. And instead of doing my Korban Pesach I stop and I bury this guy. Which means now I will no longer have the opportunity to do a Korban Pesach. Which means I have passively I have passively uh, uh, pushed off the mitzvah. I didn't actively not do the mitzvah. I'm just, I can't do it anymore. So now I have passively not allowed myself to be able to do the mitzvah. However, in our original case, which was, I was wearing kalayim. Every moment I'm wearing kalayim, I am actively violating an iser. So since I'm every moment actively violating an iser, so then your covet of brios does not, is not a factor. So when it is just passively, I'm, my covet of brios is, uh, will override 
uh, will override things if that means that I will passively not end up doing a mitzvah, as opposed to when I'm actively doing a, uh, to, as opposed to when I'm actively actively violating an iser. So your honor will not allow you to actively violate an iser. Now we see this in other places as well that there's a difference between actively and passively. We know the rabbis have the power to override a Torah law when they're telling you to passively override the law. For example, if the first day of Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, the rabbis say, do not blow shofar. The Torah says, blow shofar on Shabbos. If the first day of Sukkot falls out on, Lula, on, on Shabbos, the Torah says, you should take your Lulu and Esther. But the rabbis say, no. And again, the rabbis aren't telling you to actively violate the Torah. The rabbis are telling you to not do it, which means that you will passively override the Torah. By not doing it, I have, I have not done something which is overrated the Torah. The rabbis do not have the right to tell you, you should actively go do something which will be against the Torah. So again, we find other cases where there's, there may be examples where you can passively do something, but you can't actively do it. So therefore here as well, if it's my covet of brios, my honor, so we'll allow you, if that means that you will passively not do a mitzvah, we will allow your honor to take precedence, but when it comes to actively violating an iser, we will not let your honor take precedence. Okay, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up tomorrow morning. Rabbi